Hello, everyone. Before this episode starts, don't forget to click the chapter links in the description to watch the parts that most interest you. Hello everyone, today I have on a 19 year old who has figured out how to reliably make 8 to 10 grand a month through his online marketing business. And due to his financial growth, things like the study of stoicism and his desire for education in all fields, he's been able to figure out who he is, what he wants out of life, and what a responsible relationship with money should be. He poses many great questions in this episode, and he explains the rich experiences he's had at such a young age. Like, seriously, as you go through this episode, remember that. He's 19, folks. That's wild. So enjoy episode 35, Gabriel Springer. Cool, man. Okay, well, listen, I want to, I kind of want to know completely, like layman's terms, what, what is Springer Media? Absolutely, man. So Springer Media, it's like state-of-the-art marketing company that I created for real estate agents, right? And there's a lot of marketing companies out there. And a lot of the times it's, they don't really take into account what the customer needs. And I think that's, you know, something that permeates a lot of businesses. And so it's basically like an advertising agency that helps realtors find people looking to buy or sell through running, you know, ads on Facebook and Google and stuff like that. So what, if you can try to, try to explain to me like the little difference between what you do and like what someone could do for me if I was with them like in person, like, cause I know when people try to sell their homes or try to get into real estate, they like, it's a lot more uh, physical than it is. I think what you're doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of different marketing methods that people do, right. And society and the world as, as a whole has kind of turned away from those old school prospecting, like mailers, cold calling, those are still very prominent, but it's a digital world. So a lot of agents that are older, you know, have been doing this for 20, 30 years. They don't know exactly how to advertise on platforms like Facebook. They don't know how to create yeah, omnipresence yeah. and get in front of them because what's the first thing you're going to do, Mark, when you're looking to buy a home? First thing you're going to do. <laughs> Ask my dad what to do? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I would too. I would too. Well, let's say like you're going to look up like a website. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably look up like, like homes for sale around me basically. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So that's because you don't even know, like the realtor, you don't know the process and you're just going to Google. That's what everyone yeah, does. That's what yeah. I would do is I would Google. So what if an agent could capitalize on that by the first thing you see when you Google that is like their landing page or their website. Yeah. 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 That's true. I mean, like, cause I see, it always gets me a little, like, uh, I would kind of feel bad when I see like, um, real estate agents advertising their stuff, like in the real world and not online. And I'm like, does anyone even really like read those billboards and those benches and those like, does anyone even, ca- I know I don't, I don't care. So I, it it's, it is interesting that like, yeah, not a lot of maybe companies advertise online, but not individuals don't. And I think that is like a big thing that individuals are missing. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, I, I, I can yeah, totally see that. Yeah, no, I've, I've never really kind of thought of it that way that, you know, big corporations, big companies, they're putting thousands of dollars into their ad spend, right, to get their face in front of yeah. people. But real estate agents and you yourself as well and myself, we're like solopreneurs, right? We got to wear so many hats. We got to market ourselves. We got to do all the different parts of the business. Um, and so sometimes it does get a little draining. And we do, yeah, like, you know, sending out like a mailer and stuff. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, it's the same mentality, like putting up a Facebook ad, you know, advertising your services, or yeah. like, you know, getting a free home valuation. 
it's like a billboard, but just online. That's how I like to think of it. So on your Instagram, it says you say helping realtors and teams grow. What's the difference there? What does teams mean? Yeah. So real estate is kind of interesting because there's the solo agent and then you have teams, which is like a group of agents that, you know, go together and then they give like a revenue split to like the team leader or the organization, like a brokerage. Um, it's basically, you have to hang your license somewhere and it's like safety and numbers type thing. You know, they all help each other. They all work together um, and they share leads, they share ideas, they grow together. Um, Cause it is lonely, you know, being by yourself oh, as yeah. an agent. So finding a team, finding a brokerage to hang your hang your license on, you're gonna grow up so much faster. Yeah, no, I could I, I could definitely see that. Is, is there like a, a point where it's t- too large of a team though, like too many cooks in the kitchen? Yeah, no, that's actually funny you bring that up because I was on a call earlier today with an agent. It's a EXP's organization name. Their team, it's it's team has over four thousand agents. What? What the fuck? Not, <laughs> I know. It's not all in the same place. It's across the United okay, States. Yeah. Um, but it's a way to like connect. It's like just like you all brand under the same name. You have the same yeah, so it's a company. You know, courses. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a company. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like real estate's one of the, it's kind of, it, it, it's not considered a trade, but it kind of is real estate, you know, like sales. Sales is kind of like a trade job, even though it's not really a trade job. Because I see a lot of people, you know, leaving high school and they're trying to figure out what to do. And a very small amount of people go into real estate. But those that do usually end up doing pretty well. Um, and it's like what? Like it takes like uh, two years or something, right, for you to go through the education for that? Like what's it take to become a real estate agent? Yeah, so it honestly, the barrier to entry is very low. And this, and it's kind of interesting. All you have to do is pay 500 bucks, take a course online. You can finish it in two weeks to a month. And then you have your license. Then, you know, all you have to do is pick a broker. Oh, right? really? Pick that organization. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually looking to get my license very soon because then I can capitalize on my own system and in my market. Jesus Christ. So that's so weird that like, so you're not even there yet. You're You're basically selling people that you're selling salesmen and saleswomen ways to sell their products. You're like, that's so, it's like a, a web of salespeople. That's so actually pretty funny. Um, what got you into this though? Like, how'd you just fall upon this thing? It's, it's a crazy story. So basically a year ago, around this time in August, uh, I had a very close friend of mine. Um, and he had ghosted me for about six months. <laughs> so this is like a close friend from high school, just ghosted me. I had not talked to him, did not answer calls, nothing. And I was surfing. I'm I'm in Florida, you know, St. Augustine, Florida. So mm-hmm. I surf a lot. And I was surfing with my friends and he just shows up and he's like, Hey guys, I just created an online business. I'm making, you know, I have five clients, you know, I'm making around five grand a month. Who wants to hear about it and, and do it with me? You know? Yeah. And all my friends were like, Oh, that's cool. And then they kind of just kept surfing. I was like, hell no, this is like a beautiful opportunity. I would be dumb not to hear about it and try it out. Right. So Long story short, I tried it out. It took me a while, and eventually, that's where I am now. Yeah. So how long has it been since you started again? How did you say that? Yeah, it's been about a year. So started around. I heard about it last August. I kind of got neck deep in it around November of last year, um, and then got my first client in November, and then you kept building, kept scaling. Um, and did I tell you that I moved to Brazil? Did I ever mention No, that? you know, <laughs> it's been seven minutes. Of course. Why'd you move to Brazil? So 
it was it was in March of this year, right? And I was doing online school for college. And my friend, you know, who got me into this, he uh-huh. kind of just showed up and he was like, you want to travel, right? And I was like, yeah, I want to travel. It's always been a goal of mine. I love, I'm a travel enthusiast, experiencing other cultures. And he was just like, well, what's open? And we, you know, went on the the embassy websites and Brazil was open. And so we just moved. I was in Brazil for three months, man, wow. from March to June. And um, that's when I had the biggest growth in my business. I doubled my sales. I doubled my clients. I got up to like 10 clients. It's around projected six-figure income for the year. Um, yeah. Jeez, that's pretty quick. That's like almost, like relatively speaking, like instant success. Would you say like it was about timing? Did you get lucky or is it just the way the markets run right now? Like that's pretty incredible. Yeah, you know, Ray Kroc, um, you know, the founder of McDonald's, he has a really cool phrase. He says, people will look at me and think I'm an instant success. Well, um, you think an overnight success, but that was one really long night. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got to think I was in, co- I was a college student, you know, from last August till, you know, March, putting my head down, working two full-time jobs, going to school and trying to create this marketing business. It was not overnight, man. It was, yeah. I'd say 99.9% of marketers are going to end up quitting the business because it takes a long time to like get your brand out there, get your name. And yeah, it was tough. I'm well, surprised. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, relatively speaking, <clears throat> it sounds like it was uh, pretty quick compared to a lot of other people. And I feel, and I just mm-hmm. was thinking about this a couple of days ago, how I don't really believe in luck, but I do believe in timing. Um, and I think, like, you like you were in the right place, the right time, you knew the right people, and you hopped on board, and you, you found a pretty good gig. It sounds pretty incredible. Um, not saying that no work was involved. Like, obviously, you had to work pretty fucking hard otherwise you wouldn't be here right now of course um but the combination of all those things and you're you're doing pretty good i mean like when you filled out the form to come on to the show you were talking about your financial goals and those are pretty hefty financial goals for like the average person like i was like there's no way this motherfucker he's making or trying to make this much money um i wanted to ask you about your goals though specifically because i talk about uh happiness a lot and I talk about like fulfillment and um, a lot of people find it very difficult to find fulfillment and purpose and happiness and contentment in life and you have all these goals and you want to you want to obtain them and there's this quote I'm I'm gonna fuck it up but there's the quote by Matthew McConaughey how he says that um his hero is himself 10 years in the future which means that he will never become who he wants to be because he's always chasing, like, betterment. Um, And that's a good way to live life. However, it could potentially make people, like, really depressed because they're never good enough for themselves, you know? And, you know, they'll never be good enough for other people. Do you think that because your goals are so hefty that you'll ever run into, like, a loop where you're like trying to do better, but you just can't because like you keep, you're down on yourself or something like, is there any negative to this? That's a beautiful question, Mark. Um, and I've actually heard that quote by Matthew McConaughey and I've actually, interesting enough, I used to, when I first started this business, I compared myself. There's people out there, man, that are like multi-million dollars doing the exact same thing I'm doing. They just have better systems, better processes, right? But same framework. And I would always compare myself and like, oh, why is, you know, why is, you know, Yash or, you know, why is Johnny, why are they making double what I'm making and, and they're putting in less work? Why, 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 right? 
And what I realized was I keep comparing myself to other people and I don't know them. I don't know what are they doing on a day-to-day basis? What timing and opportunity do they have to get here? And everyone's different. So I actually have a, like a goal board. And on that goal board, I would write down the names of people that are like, that are in my space, in my business that are higher than me. And I eventually crossed all those names off and I wrote down my name because I'm going to do that because I'm going to get there because I'm going to succeed that far. Right. And I realized I, I numerical goals are really hard because you do get depressed because I've, I've been depressed. Right. I've been like, Oh, I didn't, it's funny. This is the perfect story was I was in Brazil halfway through. I was, it was May. And I was on track to reach, you know, $8,000 that month when it comes to, you know, net revenue. Um, and around 8,300, if you make that every month, that's your projected six figures. So I was like, oh my God, I'm hitting my goal. I made that goal back in November to that, in May to make that much. And one weekend I lost two clients. And so I missed it by $2,000. I, I missed that goal. And it was tough. And I had to realize that it's not the specific money that you make is the skills and the experience because that's going to take you so much farther. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like it's, it's the wealth that isn't, you know, monetary. It's the stuff you gain on the inside. I feel like it's hard though, man, because people, and I, you know, I'm a victim myself getting attached to the numbers and um, it's not even getting attached to the numbers because you're, you're hungry and you want it all, but it's like you start saying to yourself, but if I don't get the numbers, am I good enough? It's not, I want to be the best. It's, am I good enough? Um, and that's when it gets really dangerous. And then people end up self-sabotaging and end up losing it all because they don't have like that balance. Um, and for you to be able to just say, oh, you know, it's not about the money. It's about gaining the experience because the money will come with the experience. As long as I keep pushing and absorbing more knowledge, the money is secondary and that will be, that will happen organically. Um, I think that's a you know good way to see it, but it's hard to see it, especially when you just start. Because um, I was reading your <clears throat> your entry, and I was like, "Man, this guy like wants a lot, and he's doing a lot." I like I wonder what happens when he doesn't get it, or if he, if he won't get it. And I was reading this book, and it was talking about how you know you want to you want to be happy, you want this thing. Like, if, okay, I want two million subscribers. Okay, then I get two million subscribers, right? And then I'm like, okay, now like I, I gotta get three million and then I'll be happy. Okay, then I get three million. I gotta get four and then I'll be happy. I'm never happy, right? So you kind of have to talk to yourself and in, in, in like do some soul searching to, to be comfortable with where you're at. So I think that's very cool that you're able to say, nah, the money will come secondary. I gotta. Get, gain this knowledge, gain this experience. And, and I'm sure you've gained a lot of it, no? Yeah, and I have, and you're absolutely right. And I mean, I'm human, I'm guilty of it as well. It's like, you yeah. know, the other day I, I, I have a, a sales coach, a mindset mentor, um, you know, for health, wealth, relationships, and he coaches me on life and everything. And I, I break down every time, even though yeah. I have, you know, say seven to 10 clients, I still break, break down and be like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I'm going to this is if this is going to be long term, you know. I make it. I may have this set many clients this month. What about next month and three months and six months and one year? Maybe I should go back to college. And all those thoughts happen. What you have to do is you have to have a baseline happiness, and that's what I realized. And it's hard. And I realized I was like, okay, what can I do? That's internal to be happy. Like, what is my ideal day that no matter where I am, 
I'm going to be able to, to be happy based off that. Like, what can I base my happiness on that I can control? And so I was like, okay, so my purpose is to be a 3D human being. So health, wealth, relationships, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to pick one thing, right? If you have more than one thing, uh, it's like, you know, juggling the plate. So I was like, what out of health, wealth, relationships is going to make me the most happy? And I was like, health. And health is physical and mental. Okay, I was like, awesome. What can I do for physical and mental health? And so I kind of, you know, did that tree and pinpointed it down. It's like, okay, all I have to do is meditate in the morning and go to the gym and I will feel fulfilled in myself because I'm doing the one thing that's going to create long lasting happiness, right? A lot of the times is we're very ambiguous. You know, we're very up in the air. I got to make $10,000. I'm going to be happy. Well, why? Why is that going to make you happy? What is that $10,000 going to do for you, right? Do you even need $10,000 right now? Maybe you only need five. So you really have to think, you really have to like break it down from a fundamental standpoint. What are you passionate about and what's really going to fulfill you? Um, and I'm the ultimate of it, man. We all are. We all are. We all get depressed and down on ourselves. We just have to really think, what do I truly care about? I don't know what it's called, but there's um, there's a term in economics that has to do with you do need a certain amount of wealth to obtain happiness depending on what location you're living in on the planet. Otherwise, you won't be happy because you're poor, you're um, your health isn't there, like you don't have money to survive. So there is an economic term for that. I don't know what it is. I have to look it up later. But um, I don't know what that is for each individual location, each state, each country. But once you have that, if you're lucky enough to get that, um, if you don't have a good relationship with your you know, health, wealth, love, happiness, all that stuff, you're always going to think, oh, okay, so I'm not happy right now. I got to make more money. The only reason why you think that is because you've never given the other things a chance. Because if I, th- I think, I think it's sixty grand for most pl- uh, places. If you make uh, sixty grand, your needs are met. At least as a, a single individual, your needs are met as a single in- individual. If you have sixty grand for most places, if I spent my whole life trying to get that sixty grand, and now I make sixty grand a year, all I'm going to be able to know how to do for myself to make myself happy is make more money. I'm not thinking about, you know, family. I'm not thinking about, you know, going to the gym or going to see a movie or, you know, picking up a hobby. Um, And I think that's kind of, unfortunately, uh, a really toxic part, at least in American culture, where we're so obsessed with prestiging that we forget about the other things. And you saying the thing that, what's his name, Uh, you know, Ty Lopez would say all the time, health, wealth, love, and happiness. I had this guy on my podcast, his name's Cody, and he um, subscribed to a lot of that stuff. And he ended up making a lot of money, and he ended up, like, finding inner peace. Um, and he would recommend me books, and we'd just talk about this stuff. And um, for me, it, it was very hard to listen to only because, you know, even now, I don't have that great of a relationship with myself yet. But um, seeing people like you who are real, seeing people like him who are real, um, preach this stuff, it really makes me want to rethink what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and how important everything else is besides the prestige and besides the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. An important thing is I was never alone. Um, are you familiar with stoicism? Oh my gosh. Hell yeah. Well, let me go on. Where's the book where it's somewhere up to Yes, of course I am. I love, I love stoicism. Oh, thank God. Because stoicism, I think is my favorite philosophy. It's, I almost like subscribe my life to it. And talk about when it. I say, yeah, man, we definitely should talk about it. But the reason why it ties into this conversation it's because I was never alone. 
What, what, which one is that? Which uh, this is Epictetus. Uh, disco- uh, discourses and selecting selected oh, writings. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to dive into him. I've read Seneca and uh, Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius is the goat. Man. I, that's the one I have. To, I didn't read that. That's what I'm 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 going for next. So that yeah, that's why I say I'm not alone. Because Marcus Aurelius, like here, let's just let's do this thought experiment. Okay, so go for it. Marcus Aurelius is you know an emperor of Rome, mm-hmm. the height of all wealth, prestige, power, like everything. And the and he comes to the same conclusion as Epictetus, mm-hmm. who is a slave. That true happiness is found inside. That more wealth isn't going to make you happy. Your your brain is tricking you. And what I what I realized was, I'm reading his his philosophy. You know, meditations. You know, his little little journal that he had written throughout his entire life. And I'm seeing all the same, you know, conflicts and battles that I have, that you have. Like you know, I, may, I have to make sixty grand to be happy, and I have to make a certain amount, right? And having him guide me through his philosophical tracks and why that's not necessarily true, because he literally writes, there has been hundreds of emperors before me, you know, Vespasian, Titus, Nero, all these emperors, they all had wealth and they're all dead. Yeah. Right. And there's people that have done great works. There's whole languages that were created and now are gone. There's so much. And so you have to almost realize that you just, you have to find something that you can do that's going to make you happy. Um, and it can't be money because money there it's hard to have a positive emotional attachment to money itself. It's what money's gonna do for you. Yeah. Um, but you have to find something you can do that doesn't require a lot of money. You know, it's so evil though, right? Because to even be able to think of things like that, to be Marx related and like think about oh this doesn't matter that much oh you should focus on uh this and family and love and people that don't have enough money to survive don't have time to think about those things so all they can think about is money because you know that's the only thing they're allowed to think about they they've got to keep pushing or else they don't have it and most people and listen we're the wealthiest country in the world um and most people in this country and most people everywhere else in the world that's all they can think about because they need to it, it's it's not because they want to. They have to just think about money. Um, but people like, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates, like people that got a lot of money, not that they are good or bad. I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is, though, they have been able, they've been, they earned the ability to sit and think. And they realized how important everything else is but they wouldn't have been able to realize that unless they made the money. So it's so evil that, you know, you, you can't really figure it out until you have the the luxury of not having having to worry. Because our greatest thinkers are one of are two of, like, three people, right? You got the really rich people that don't have to worry about much. They become really great thinkers. The really poor people... That are like fuck it, I'm here. I'm not gonna do anything about it, and they and they and they don't give a fuck about anything, and they give themselves the freedom to just think. And then there's the middle people that are trying to figure it out. Those people figure out nothing. It's the other two that are like getting somewhere mentally, and that's why it's so evil, and it, and it upsets me because everyone wants so much, and they won't realize they don't need all that until they get it. Hmm. So I, I disagree a little bit on that point and the fact that 
I mean, just at Epictetus is a great example. It's just he was like the poorest of the poor. Um, because if it was, if the middle, so are you saying like the middle class, they can't think about what's going to make them happy? They can only work? Or no. because our society doesn't really prop that up? What I'm saying is they can do everything everyone else does and perhaps better or worse, doesn't matter. But what I am saying is they don't have as much time to work or to think about like bigger things mm -hmm. because they have to do more work. I mean, like if it, if the day is divided by uh, divided into threes, it's eight, eight and eight, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work and eight hours of play. Um, there's not much time there to think about anything other than your priorities, at least for the working class. Exactly. So you have to think, what are your priorities? If figuring out what's going to make you happy besides the pursuit of money, if that's truly your priority, you'll make time for it. And I think a lot of people, the thing is, is they don't make that a priority. And I, I suffer from this as well. I, I'll end up going through my entire day without sometimes not doing my, my meditation or my morning routine or, or skipping the gym. Um, and I have to ground myself like, oh my God, my priorities are shifting and I'm not going to, and I'm not as happy. And I know why. So, and it, it's interesting things because when I was in Brazil, I wasn't in a first world country. I was in you know, Brazil, it's, it's, it's developing, it's newer. We, I was in Rio de Janeiro, it's a nicer city, but there's, there's, it's called favelas and they're just like slums and it's just thousands of poor people. And then literally like, I'd say less than a mile down the street is all the apartment buildings where the, the rich, the rich live in Brazil. And so the dividing line of the disparity between wealth classes is like absurd. Like it doesn't Jeez. exist. It's just like slums, and then rich people and they'll lie right next to each other and it's crazy and me and my friend we would we would walk through those slums and look at the people and we would wonder if we took our minds and put it into a young child inside the slum would we be able to get out and become successful or like wise above against odds if we had our thinking and so i kind of want to turn that over to you and like knowing what you know knowing what's in the first world country because those kids all they do is they just steal they rob they 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 eat what scraps and they're not like they're not philosophizing or thinking or journaling like about their scenario about how like how they can get out um and so it's, it's like a cycle it's like a repeat cycle yes. so i'm wondering what do you think about that do you think if you if you were in a third world country with your mind would you be able to get out it's a really good question i actually really like that it's a lot of fun um I always think about how if I if I was like fifteen year old, fifteen years old in like the nineteen fifties, I would shoplift so much shit from like Seven Eleven because there's no cameras. <laughs> I'm like, that's not morally right. I probably wouldn't do it, but I can if I wanted to, and I wouldn't get caught. But yeah. um, like, so I think about like, what if I was this person? What if I put myself in that time? Um, and if I was one of those kids today. And I had my brain. Like, I was still Mark. But, like, somehow I got transported into a five-year-old's head from Brazil. Oh, I don't know. I think, I mean, like, realistically, I, I'd probably take me a few years to realize what the fuck just happened. And I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to learn what it is to be, you know, Brazilian. Um... But... Well, let's say, like, you are Brazilian and you ha and you don't have your memories of, like, your life. But you have your drive and you have like your IQ. Like take know. your IQ and take your drive and put it into a Brazilian child. I think I want I wanna say I wanna say yeah, I'd be able to, but I don't think I 
I don't think I could. I don't, I, like, it's very circumstantial. Like, I think, okay, I'll say this. I'll put it into a percentage. I'd say 80% no, 20% yes. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to say that because if I have the tools I need to succeed with the brain I have in Brazil, um, then I'd probably have a pretty good chance. But depending on, you know, where I'm born, how I'm born, and what my society's like, I don't know if I'd be able to. So 80-20. Yeah. The reason why I like this thought experiment so much is because it makes me realize is everything I've attained, is it just because I was born in a first world country? Is is that why? That's why like, I think Maybe. about that. I'm like, you know, if someone's smart and they have a motivation and desire and they're in a third world country, can they rise up and do the same thing I'm doing? Um and it's possible. There's, they're definitely out there, right? If there's a possibility, it's going to exist, right, by necessity. But it's probably very few and far between. Yes. Um, and I guess that just makes me feel grateful. And I think that's kind of the overwhelming thing is the middle class who, who maybe don't have the time to think about this. They need to stop and realize that they're never going to be like those Brazilians, you know, like no clothes, walking barefoot on, you know, dog shit floors like literally like the streets have like you know dog shit on it yeah literally just just feces trash everywhere we never have to do that if if you go if you don't have a job like your parents will take care of you or if you don't have parents like we have support systems in place for me in my situation i know that no matter what happens i could fail to the utmost i could lose everything and i know there's gonna be people that care about me and i'm gonna be okay and i think that kind of takes the um the gravity of like i have to get 60 grand in a year to be happy because I'm never going to like, I have like this baseline, you know, I'm never going to be homeless on the side of the street. I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I think we've actually agreed from the beginning of when I said what I said. Um, What I mean to say is that not many people are coming to that realization because they don't know how to come to that realization. Um, mm. I'm like, yeah, obviously if I, if I'm having a really bad day, I could be like, well, at least I'm not, you know, that kid in, uh, Brazil or you said it's Brazil, right? Um, yeah. at least I'm not that kid in Brazil. Then I'd be like, holy shit, this day is amazing. I'm so glad I'm me d- being here. Obviously 100%, but I'm like every suffering is suffering. Right. Um, and I don't think people not that they don't want to, but they just don't think about stuff like that. And even if they do think about stuff like that, it it might change their mood, but it can't change their circumstance. So what I was saying is, if they had better circumstances, it'd be easier to change their mood. It's not impossible, though, with shitty circumstance. You could still change it. So I think, I think we hmm. agree. Ma- maybe uh, we get there a little differently. Mine might be a longer road. Yours might be, like, a shorter road. But I, I think... Ultimately, we're kind of on the same page, but I, I totally agree with what you were saying, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why reading is just so important because you're not going to get somewhere if you don't have, like, you, you're right. Like, it's if I didn't read or meditate, I'd never come to these conclusions and I probably would be a lot more unhappy, you know? And that's the thing is, like, I always recommend people, oh, you want to be happy in your circumstances? Well, then read Stoicism because all Stoicism is about is you're in the present. And no matter where, like, no matter where you're at, whether you're in the slums of Brazil or you're at the heights of Manhattan, you should just have this baseline happiness in yourself. I mean, that's what Marcus Aurelius talks about. I know you haven't, haven't read his book yet, but that's what he talks about. It's like, 
imagine the world is just like revolving around you just being plopped in all these different places you're this you have this like this type of happiness of just being alive and so i guess for me it's like how does someone get that if if someone isn't like me or like you and 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 it's interested and actively reads that, how can they get to that level? Can they? Do they need an outside influence? Can something inside them bring in there? What do you what do you think? I think I think they could. I think they could get there. Would it be harder? Yes. But I mean, because like the people back then, um, like hundreds of thousands of years ago, whatever, I mean like they got there and they didn't have all the riches in the world. Um, I think what makes it different is technology. I think that makes it harder. Because mm-hmm. I mean like why the hell is a seven-year-old kid so depressed that they're wishing for death? Like, I, I know children like that, unfortunately. And it's because they, they're on social media and they see all this stuff. And it's, and it's, like, made their brains mature a lot faster than they should. And I think that fucks with them. And I think even with people in third-world countries, when they, get a, when they see that that man over there is flying a jet plane and their dad is shoveling shit out of the street, it's like... Wow, everything sucks. I think it's like the technology and like how we we're not very connected anymore as people. I think that's made mm-hmm. it harder, but I do think it's still possible. Yes, for people to come to that realization and stoicism, very beautiful philosophy that a lot of people don't really understand and they take for granted. Um, but I think it is possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. Wow, like I've I've really thought about this a lot when it comes to this, like social media, like technology social media, video games, and it's almost as if we're hijacking our brain, like yeah. those dopamine spikes. Like I was thinking this, I don't, I try not to play video games as much anymore, but before I started my business, before I started all this mindset work is, you know, I loved video games. Like I was addicted. I literally, what I, you know, the new Xbox that came out, Yeah, it's gonna be funny. I actually waited in line overnight and slept outside oh, the game shop so I could be. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Dude, it was like, uh, it was an addiction. <laughs> uh, and I would play this one game, Rainbow Six Siege. Oh, yeah. Come and on. it'd be like, if I win, well, I want to keep playing because I like that feeling of winning. And if I lose, I'm upset. I just be like, oh, I'll just play one I'll more. I'll play another one. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And so it's like, it's almost like a like a drug. It's like this dopamine spike. <laughs> I just have to keep getting it. Um, so good or bad, it's a thing. It's there. Uh, it's not going away either. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's totally changed who we are, and like we're letting we're letting go, we're letting go of a lot of the important things, and it's not that we're letting go like willingly. It's that we're growing up not really realizing better things are out there. And when I say better things, I mean like spiritually, like figuring yourself out and enlightening yourself. Um, we're not realizing those are there. We're making other things super important uh, when they shouldn't really be that important. I'm like, I sound like such a hypocrite too. Like, fucking look at me, bro. <laughs> I'm I'm doing a podcast on YouTube and it's got all the other platforms, and I'm on Instagram and I'm uh, promoting myself and like, like I'd like to believe I'm not fake. Like, I'm pretty real when I do this shit. I fucking hate fake people and phonies, but like, I'm pretty real about it, which makes me feel good. But still, the same thing is like. I'm trying to get up there. I'm like, but Mark, is that really important? So I, like, I'm conflicted. I'm at, I'm at war with myself all the time. And I'm like, but bro, is it really that important, man? Come on, think about it. Um, so it's a weird world because it's like you can't live with it. You can't live without it. Hmm. What's, what are your goals? 
for like so you're active on social media you're active this on this show podcast. isn't isn't this your fucking interview what the fuck is this shit huh <laughs> well i'm interested you know you, yeah. you feel conflicted well you have these <laughs> you know, two sides actually hold on, real quick <laughs> this is so funny because you're gonna be like yo guys go, go watch this podcast this is how i'd get people to fucking realize shit about their lives like this is actually probably a perfect podcast for you because you're doing your job <laughs> um what was the question <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking, like, you know, you, you feel like a little conflicted, like you're on these platforms and yeah. sometimes you feel like they're not the best for people. Um, well, why, why they feel like, oh, I have to make it, I have to get up there. Okay. Well, well why? Like, what's your, what, what's your drive for, for creating the podcast? That was actually, talking to me? actually one of the questions I had for you too. So you could answer as well. Like wh- where'd your fucking drive come from to do all this shit? Like it's incredible. But, um, so <clears throat> it's not uncommon like it's a pretty normal story um and everyone's felt this way but so uh for a very long time you know obviously being a kid you know when i was in high school and middle school i had no idea what the fuck i wanted to do um and then in i think it was middle school i i was sick for 40 days out of that year and uh, it's like a long fucking time and i watched so many movies I watched this one movie. It's called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. <clears throat> and I fucking loved it. And it wasn't about the story, it, which is great, I think. But it wasn't really about the story. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about that. The, what, the reason why I liked it is because I was touched so emotionally. I was crying. And I was touched so emotionally that I realized right then and there I think I, I, it was 2012. I don't know how old I was. Um, I realized I want to make some kid feel the way I did right now when he's at home alone, sitting in his bed and really sick. I would love to do that for somebody. So since then, my plan was to be a storyteller. And years go by, and I go to a school called SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I fucking hated it. I went for writing. Um, I didn't like the... Everyone was really nice, but as a whole, I, I wasn't a fan of the community. I didn't like the school. I didn't like the price tag. Like, nothing about it was very redeeming. So I came back home. I lost 18 grand in two and a half months. And while I was there, I said to myself, if, if I get home, I'm going to try making a YouTube channel. Okay, all right, Mark, cool. I get home. I make five YouTube channels. This is one of them. The other ones I'm kind of done with. I'm trying to figure myself out. Now I'm on here doing a podcast, talking to interesting people. It sounds very cool. But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not doing this for anybody else but me, man. I, I want purpose. I want meaning. And I like storytelling. And I'm still, I'm, I still write, and I'm still trying to go that way. But this whole thing, me tr- experimenting with different things I enjoy, different things I like, it's for me to find meaning and purpose like I want to have a piece of this world and um I guess that's what drives me it's like the Anne Frank thing the the fear of not being remembered um mm. I want I want a piece of it and I'll, I'm trying to do whatever I can to get it and it's it is very exhausting so that I guess that's kind of what drives me wow yeah wow. what about you <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a lot to go off of and it's a heavy question for sure you know, I'm not gonna lie to you either. I actually kind of had like a internal crisis these past couple of days on where my direction in life. You know, 
I, I broke down in front of my my mentor, my coach, and I if he ever watches this, I love him for helping me through my problems. Even it it is a pain because he like pulls them out of me yeah. and then surfaces, you know, my own limiting beliefs. But what I realized was, and this is me personally, I am very adaptable to the people around me. So, you know, my friend, I, I got in, you know, I was groomed for college. I was always going to go to college and get some sort of doctorate degree. My dad's a veterinarian. I was always going to take on his business. Um, but then our, my friend, you know, went into real estate marketing and then he actually left real estate marketing the past couple of months to go to college in Europe and pursue another creative enterprise. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, then maybe I should quit because he had all these issues with it. Um, and I won't get into those semantics, but we can in a second if you want on yeah, what's course what's tough about being a marketer, right? Um, but I realized that like everything I'm doing is because of the influence of people around me. I realized I'm not doing anything for myself. I never went into real estate marketing because I wanted to. I did it because my friend was doing it and he was doing it very well. And I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. And so now I'm just like, oh my God. So I was like, I love to travel, but I was like, like do I love to travel? Maybe someone else loved to travel and I thought it was cool that they love to travel. Like I was like, holy shit, I'm 19 years old. And I have drawn in Brazil and I have built a business and I've gone to college and I've experimented all this stuff, but I felt like I never did it originally for me. And so it's just, I now I feel like I need to do the same thing you're doing, which is experiment and try new things. And that's how you find your purpose. When you've done all these things, like, okay, well, I did that and I really like it. And I did that and it was okay. I did this and I freaking absolutely loved it. And now I want to do that for the rest of my life. Cause I was thinking, I was like, Am I really at the point at 19 where I want to be a real estate marketer for the rest of my life? Is that my passion? I haven't tried enough stuff to know. Bro, you're so, so fucking young. This is incredible. Yeah. How old are you, man? I'm 23. 23. So I'm, I'm, I'm young too. But I mean, like, do you realize, like, what you've done? I do. And that's the thing I need to keep reminding myself is I'm only 19. And sometimes I feel like I'm like 30 and like, this is like my life. <laughs> like I'm going to be a real estate marketer for the rest of my life. Or like, And all my friends, not, not my close friends from high school, but all like my entrepreneur and business friends, like, like Easton, like you, my sales coach is like, you know, 26, all these people. I feel like I, I talk to them and I treat them like they're like the same age, but I'm so much younger. And so I, that's one thing I need to like, I need to slow down. Wait, why slow so down fast. Though? But why slow down? Because... I'm not truly in, I feel like I'm not truly enjoying my life. Like I got to get like more clients. I got to scale the business. I'm like, yes, those things are great. And you have goals and you can work hard on them, but you don't have to like sacrifice hanging out with your friends because you want to go on a sales call. Right. Yeah. You know, because everyone has those years of, you know, 19 figuring stuff out, partying, living their life. And I, I feel like I don't want to skip that. You know, oh. I don't want to just skip those formative years. I mean, like, I am nowhere near your success, and I didn't have any of those years. So, I mean, like, I'm like, I had a great time with my friends when I was, like, below 18 years old. But I never, like, went to parties or went to bars or hung out, like, at social gatherings. I just never did it. But I, so I kind of understand the the longing for that, like, the want, like, nostalgia. Like, you have nostalgia for things you've never experienced. It's like, I want to get that back, and you've never really had it. I get that. I do think you should experience that. Because you've already experienced what a 50-year-old man would. You might as well experience what a 20-year-old would. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, your parents or whoever, you know, raised you must be super proud. Like, what the fuck, bro? So that's always an interesting thing. Um, 
Another side note is <laughs> when I was in high school, I was a manager at Chick-fil-A. All right. So I was like 17. You're already manager. a manager at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I was working 40 hours a week as a senior in high school as a You're, manager at Chick-fil-A. Bro, how old are you? Uh, 17, 18 at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah, seven, yeah I was 17 oh at the time. Uh, manager at Chick-fil-A, working 40 hours. I was like managing the shift, giving everyone their positions, you know, managing like, you know, 20 people, uh, making sure everything ran smoothly. That's so and cool. I think about all that, I'm like, we, I, we people will look at that like oh my god that was great you know i got scholarships for college from it but then i, I look at it and i'm like all my friends were hanging out on the weekends after school doing stuff and i would i'd be i'd be i can't go i gotta go to work gotta go gotta do my next shift you know like there was some days when i would do a double like i would work from 6 a.m to midnight let me ask you a question then do you think you would have realized you know the importance of your friends if you didn't go through all that work do you think you would have realized? Because that's what I was trying to say in before, where people don't have, can't really realize what is or isn't important because they haven't had the opportunity to experience the other half. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think, I think I would have had more fun times with them, but I probably wouldn't have realized, you know, how important they really are to me, right? Yeah. If I was just alone and didn't have friends. And that's why it's so um, important for you to talk about this shit, because. Yeah. Like, how often do you come by a 19-year-old kid who, I mean, like, I call myself a kid, so uh, don't be upset with <laughs> myself. How often are you going to come around a, someone that's 19 years old and has gone to this level? Not very often. So it's good to listen to somebody who's the same age as most people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, a normal 19-year-old kid is having, a, like, basically a midlife crisis at 19. It'd be nice to listen to someone like you because you're like, all right, man, I get where you're coming from and more. Listen to what I got to say about life. So it's very good that you're, you know, you talk to people about this shit. But I I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. What were you saying about? No, you you had a question. Um, how do my parents feel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very interesting because I've always struggled with that. And that's something I feel like I've always, my, my parents are loving, right? My parents are very loving. Um, but I feel like everything I do is to like, you know, be successful, to be, have them be super proud. And and they give those words of affirmations, like, you know, we're proud that you stuck with this business, but do they, they don't agree with it, to be honest. They think I should go to uh, college, get a, get a degree. They think it's too volatile, too risky. And six months from now, I may have, I may lose all my clients and I may gain, gain no new ones, which is true. And I see that, um, which is why I'm actually going back to college to kind of figure out what I want to do even though I have this business and that's part of the midlife crisis. It's like my confliction is college and getting a degree and taking on my dad's veterinary business versus being an entrepreneur and, and starting something brand new. Um, yeah. So I, they're, they're proud. Um, but they don't think it's the best move, which is very interesting. It's very hard. I feel like for me, I understand where they're coming from because it's like, I understand where they're coming from, and I think they're only saying that because you're their son. If you were their friend, yeah. they'd be like, bro, double down. Like, I feel like they'd be telling you to go for it if they if you were their friend, you know? But yeah, because you're their son, they're like, listen, man, it might not, and we don't want to see you hurt. And so I can get that coming from, a, not that I'm a parent, but from a parent's perspective, I understand that. Um, 
I feel though, and do whatever the fuck you want, man. You know, not my life, but I do feel like you've got. I know you said you want to take some time and try to like reevaluate your life so you can find out what isn't isn't important and absorb what isn't important to you. Um, but you have so much momentum. I feel like you're right at the cusp of being able to have the life, like have your cake and eat it too. I could be wrong. I don't know what your life's like. You obviously have a lot more experience than I do. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, the other thing too is though, because you you've got this one business. Have you ever thought of not scaling up in the same one, but having another that's self-sustainable? Mm. So that's the thing about being a marketer, especially like a social media marketer. And so here, let me kind of dive into the challenges of being a marketer, okay. right? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot, there's, a, there's, there's this atmosphere, this culture of coaches that say anyone can do it, right? Everyone sees their ads. You got Grant Cardone out there. Um, all these other people. And it's like, there's coaches, coaching coaches on coaches to coach marketers Jeez. to market business owners. So it's this huge network of people and it's extrapolated. And so there's very few of us that are actually providing a service and actually keeping clients and, and scaling. Um, and the problems is I have to find the people. I have to get on the calls with them. I have to make sure I have to actually sell them and, and close them. And then I have to provide actual results, keep following up with them. And it's hard to actually get, you know, find the real estate leads and, and market these people. Um, and a lot of real estate agents really don't have the budgets. Like a lot of solo agents, they do have the budgets, but they have all these limiting beliefs you have to weed through to actually get the sale. Um, and so it's actually very exhausting. And so this is what my friend managed. My friend ran into all these problems. Like you have to, you can only automate it once you get to 20K, but getting to like around 20K is so exhausting. Like you want to like, you just want to like cry and like fall in your bed and like curl up like a little kid, you know, because you have to just be on these calls all day. You have to market and, you know, you could lose all your clients next month and then gain all more of your clients again. And so it's just like this, it's like just this cycle of just rinsing, repeating and getting more clients. And you slowly get one or two extra each month um, and fine tuning it. And so the, you have to automate, like I have a team of virtual assistants, like they prospect on social media for me. And so I've automated some of it, um, but you can't really automate the sales because I'm the face of the company. I'm the one that they're going to trust that they're going to believe in. So it's, it's very hard. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I answered your question, well, but you, you help me understand the way your life is running a lot better. But what I, what I did mean though, is have you ever thought about opening up a new business that is totally, I mean, it's not going to be immediate, but that's self-sustaining, like, like a clothing brand or, you know, yep. a supplement brand. Like, have you ever thought about doing something like that? Yeah. So I've thought of it. And the, the issue is, is I know where, like, I know I can get real estate clients. Like, I don't know I'm going to make 20K. I don't know if I'm going to be able to scale and automate, but I, I know how to find real estate agents and close them as a client. Uh -huh. And so it's like almost like I have a security blanket of, you know, I can maybe work, I could do marketing for any other business, you know, chiropractors, veterinary clinics, uh, med spas, um, you know, car dealerships, all of that. But I, but I know, I know for a fact what works and I know it works for real estate. So I'm almost like, I don't want to leave because I know it works. And so I'm afraid if I, and I've, I've tried branching into like doing ads for e-commerce or for Shopify stores, like I'll run their ads to get, you know, traffic so they can close deals. 
Um, I've done mortgage brokers and loan officers for people looking to get uh, like a house loan. And, and, and it's just like people, it's like, what is your one thing? If you, I feel like if you dive into multiple businesses, one of them is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I have thought about it um, and I would definitely do it, but I, I, I would only do it and create another business, maybe like an online e-com store or something if my current business kind of went under, because it's already too much of my time. Like, I don't feel like I would have the energy to be able to, you know, f- figure out all the ins and outs of another business while doing this one. Perhaps not yet. I could see though, maybe in the future, depending on where your life goes, e- even if your yeah. current business doesn't go under, like I, cause that's the thing I keep saying to myself, like with YouTube and stuff, I'm like, man, if I can just make this much money just to have someone edit the video for me, I could work on something else. Yeah. Um, like it would free up like probably like five to six hours a day for editing. Like that's a lot of time. Um, so I feel like eventually maybe you could, and it just seems like you have the drive and you know what you're doing. Uh, and I always say this to people, um, if you want to go to school for business, but you can't afford to, you can't afford to get a degree, at least go for marketing. I feel like that's like one of the most important things in business. Um, especially if you already know how to talk, if you already know how to like, you know, if you've got the gift of gab fucking go into marketing um so i feel like anything you end up doing you're going to be able to sell the people um as as long as it's you know quality you're going to be able to fucking sell it and i think that's really cool i mean you've got like marketing is a great foundation and how did you like how did you learn this stuff where did this come from yeah courses online courses um, that's the thing is like, you know, I've, I've taken all these courses from people like Iman Godzi, who is like the guru of this space. Like he's like a millionaire. Like he literally makes like millions a month because he has his, his own online marketing business for Shopify stores. He has his own e-com clothing brand. He has his own education company for teaching people like me how to do it. I also bought real estate specific courses. I paid for coaching from people that are already, you know, really big in the space. So it's just like investing in yourself. Well, but that's the one thing I, I always hate is all these courses, all these gurus, all these coaches, they always think it's easier that they're like, oh yeah, you just, you message the people and they're just going to say, yeah, we'll give you a thousand dollars and you market for me. And you just put up a Facebook ad and you're good to go. And I feel like the same thing with YouTube. It's like, oh, you just put up a YouTube ad and you know, people will see it and you'll make money or you just create an online clothing brand and you just you know drop ship it or something and you're good to go. I feel like nothing's ever that easy. Like nothing is ever that easy. And that's why a lot of people fail. I feel like because they think it's just going to be all roses and daisies. And, and that's, I feel like that's a problem with online entrepreneurship. Everyone thinks it's super easy. It's easy once you get to a certain mark, I feel like, you know, you know? Yeah. I feel like I, I felt the same way and I still kind of do, but the kid I was talking about before. So if you wanted to listen to it, it's a fucking great episode. I actually think you'd really like it just because he talks. Yeah, about- what well, is it like an episode name? It's it, it's it's on my channel. I mean, it's episode twenty, so like that's just write down the number twenty, um, and go look for it. But he, his name's Cody Jaffe, and he made hot like he never made six figures, but he made up into the high five figures for just drop shipping. Um, and he would he got out of the game though. And and I asked why? Why would you do that? You, you know, were you know my age, and you had a life like you were able to just be you. And he's like, the reason he got out of it because it's it's morally a little wrong, ethically a little wrong, and he spent his entire day on his phone. Um, and so 
when he came on, the first thing I was thinking, I was like, there's no way people are actually, like, doing this, doing this that successfully because everyone's like, oh, it's so easy. You just, like, if everyone did this, then no one could do it. But he found a way to do it, and he, he listened to people like you're talking about. His person he listened to was Ty Lopez, um, the, who I thought was the biggest scammer that there ever was. Yeah. And a lot of people proved that he kind of does scam people. But yeah. Co- Cody figured it out. He I don't know what happened, and... He um he did a really good job, but he was talking about a lot of things we're talking about right now, where it's about finding things that actually you know mean something to you, things that are worth doing that bring you happiness, that bring you health. When he when he said he said the same thing you said about what's most important. He said health because without that you've got nothing, and so it's very the parallels are pretty incredible. Um, but everything you're saying is reminding me of what he was saying and. This online business, although it's very hard, it is possible, but it's so, so bad for you. And and, and and let me clarify something when I say it's like morally and ethically wrong. He would have to, he would have hundreds and hundreds of emails every day that he'd have to look at and respond to because people are trying, wow. people are trying to return things, buy things, ask about things, and it's all online. So it's the entire world is on his websites trying to buy things. He couldn't do it alone, so he'd have to hire people from other countries to do it for him. So he's an American, and he'd pay somebody in a third-world country like a dollar for like five hours of work. And he's like, that didn't feel right. I know the currency exchange makes it okay, but I could obviously afford to pay him more, but I don't have to. So it's a very weird thing. So he didn't. He, he felt dirty. He didn't like it. He got out of it, and it was also ruining his personal life too. So it's it's not easy. It's hard. It's very hard. And I imagine you feel some of the same ways for a lot of those things. Yeah, you know, I actually have a team of you know I have a team. It's not just me doing this. So and they're from the Philippines. They're virtual assistants. I paid them three dollars an hour, um, and that's that's pretty good over there. That's a, you know that's an that's probably like, you know, middle-class, you know, wages, you know, if they got a, a job at a call center or something like that. Um, but the way I look at it, I actually feel like I'm doing the most, like, I feel like I'm serving them. Like I got to provide them a job that does not require a lot of mental or manual work. They just got to sit there and message real estate agents and book me meetings. They get paid, they got to work from home um, and they get a lot of benefits. Like, you know, uh, they get weekends off, they get, you know, paid time off for their birthday for holidays. They get a whole week paid off for the uh, for the Christmas holidays and stuff. Really? So the way I see it, yeah. So in, and one of my employees, he has a son, and because he gets to work from home, he actually gets to see his son. His son gets to play right next to him as he's on his computer working. So I see it as almost as if I'm helping them. And if I feel like if I fired them or if I quit my business, I feel bad because then they have to go work. You know as a call center rep helping people with like their phone troubles and they hate those jobs because they got to put up with people with bullshit. Um, so I feel very happy with my team. I have, I have a team of three. I had, a, I had a team of four, but I had to let someone go. Um, but I do feel the same way when it comes to my clients. Cause sometimes my clients don't get, like they, they get the leads that like they get a, you know, 10 seller leads and, you know, a hundred buyer leads but none of them convert and they don't, they don't get, they don't close a home. So they don't make any money. And so, and after three months of work with me, they end up leaving. And so I see that they paid me what, like, you know, $3,000, maybe a little bit more. They made no money. 
And I look at that, I'm like, okay, so I just got $3,000. And all I had to do was put up an ad and then kind of keep track of everything. And so it makes me feel bad. But then what, what my coach is and what the big people say is, well, they just didn't, maybe they didn't call the leads enough. Maybe they didn't really put in the work to convert them. And so it's on them. You did your job. And I have to like remind myself that I'm not getting paid to close the deals for them. I'm getting paid to bring the deals to them. Um, but I understand what that other entrepreneur, uh, Cody, I understand if he ever listens to this, I know where he's coming from when it comes to online businesses. Yeah, it was interesting hearing you say the other perspective um, about how you, you pay people. How many people do you have employed? Right now I have three. So one of my team members, she messages, I have four Instagrams, one Facebook, one LinkedIn. She messages all these realtors on there every single day. Her son is my, basically my assistant. He actually puts up all the ads oh, for cool. me. Yeah, he puts up all the ads. I have like SOPs, standard operating procedures, uh, video recordings that go step by step. So he knows exactly what needs to be done. Like he'll go into my Facebook account. He'll add the client's account. He'll put up the ad. And then I just make, just I just revise and double check. Like I'll do all the revisions after that first campaign, after he puts it up the first time. Um, he answers any questions in our, in the group chats with my clients. Um, and then I make him do miscellaneous work. And then I also have my third one is she's called an ISA inside sales agent. So I train her on how to be a call rep and she will actually call the leads that come in from the advertisements for my clients and then book them appointments with a buyer or a seller so they can skip all that. Right. So kind of, kind of making it like kind of luxurious for the client, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what my team does. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I want to open more of this up, but I really know how. It's is, is it weird, like h hiring people from another country. It's weird hiring someone from another country who's tw twice my age. Yeah, like that's literally, weird. like you're not getting around that no matter where you go. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a uh, my main, like my first assistant from the very beginning. You know, her son is the one that does my, the assistant work for me, but her, the one who does, she does all the messaging. She's literally her grandmother. And she literally like, she'll wake up in the morning and she messages me every day, even if I don't respond, good morning, go make this day great. And all my team members are like, you work so hard. You're like, you're so like, you're so inspiring. Um, but really they're the inspiring ones. They're the ones that like, if I didn't have that team, I'd have to do so much work that it wouldn't be worth it to be in this business. Right. So now. How did you um, decide how much to pay your employees? Do you does it like, do you get recommendations from like the internet? Like does LinkedIn or whatever, whatever you use, like say you should probably pay this region this much. Like how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so it was, uh, so my friend had a VA and I know another person who's really big in this space who has a lot of VAs and he pays them $3 an hour as well. Um, so I was like, okay, well I'll ask him, does that work? Like, is that normal? And they're like, yeah, that's, that's like what we would get if we would work at any of the other jobs around here. But you, we get to work from home with you online. So that's cool. And how do you, yeah. and you give, and you give them benefits or they get benefits on their own? How does that happen? I, I just like, you know, if it's a holiday, I'll say you don't have to work today, but I still pay you. And if it's their birthday, you don't have to work today, but I still pay you. And then, um, during Christmas to new year's that week, I say, you can just take the week off and I'll pay gotcha. you. For the week. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's so weird though, isn't it? I mean, like, and I kind of want to go back to what your parents were saying, how they were like, 
supportive, but like kind of like scared, right? Obviously, it's like, all right, man, um, you're. When I read your entry to come onto the show, not that like you were asking me, I was basically asking you. When you when I saw your like invitation thing that you filled out, um, you were saying that. I don't know if you used the word heroes, but basically how, like, you who you want to aspire to be like. And it was some, one of them was, like, Elon Musk and stuff. And I think um, I think you can become great, not as, as if you're not already pretty great. But I think you be, you could become what you want to be if that's what you want to be. Um, I don't know what road it's going to be. You know, I don't know what road you have to take to get there. But do you think that some decisions you're about to make or some decisions you have made um, hurt you more than I helped you or has it been kind of like positive all around? You know, throughout my childhood um, and even this, literally this year, I've always felt like everything happened for a reason. Um, I'm not, I, I grew up, Christian. I'm not particularly religious anymore. I just don't know. I guess you'd call me agnostic. Um, but everything that's happened in my life, like my friend figuring out the business and then showing it to me, me going to Brazil, coming back, going to college, all of that, I feel like happened for a reason. And it's like the, it's like, it's almost like it's not good or bad. Like it's, this isn't helpful. Like this is my path. So whatever happens, happens because of what the universe wants for me or you know and if you say universe you say you know all the actions that i put in you know um i don't know you know it's just and, and it's, it's it's hard it's a hard question you know i don't really know what has harmed me when it comes to to getting to that that level um but i don't think i have to be famous to be there. Like, I don't think I have to be famous to be like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, like people that have like a unique sense of outlook at the world. I think you can cultivate that privately. Cause one of my questions that I had in my head before we started was, I know you have a backup plan, but I was like wondering why even have one if you're doing so well. And then you kind of explained why. Um, but it's also making me think, Besides the success, like the, and, you know, the wealth and the, um, you know, comfortability in life and stuff, like, what else do you, like, want internally, like you, like the child in you? What what does he want? Like, is it a family, a daughter, a son, a dog, a house, a, a you want to make sure your grandmother, you know, has the treehouse she's always wanted since she was four years old? Like, what is it that the little kid in you wants? Wow. You know, that's the question that my, my mentor and my coach kept asking me. And I was almost at the break of tears. I was like, I don't know anymore. I I've done so much and experienced so much. And I feel like I, I was living other people's lives almost. Um, and so that's honestly what I'm searching right now. Like I, I wrote down the date September 25th and I was like, by September 25th, I want to have experienced things that I would never have thought of I would wanted to do, like maybe learn a new instrument or, you know, maybe practice art and painting, something like just completely different because I feel like I haven't experimented enough. Um, but I can tell you what I used to want. I've always loved history. And that's why I know stoicism is because I freaking 
love history. Like I have a library, you can't see it, it's over there in the other room, but it's like all the great philosophical and historical books, you know, Plato, you know, Socrates, um, you know, Rene Descartes, like it just goes on. Like I have all of it. Like I, I bought all of them and I've read maybe less than 25% just because there is so much knowledge there's so out much, there. There's so much. Yeah. And so to me, it's like traveling so I can see the architecture, like go to Rome, go to Greece. That is my, my passion and my interest is history and philosophy. Um, and so I think I need to go back and double down because I honestly, I haven't been reading those books the way I should. I haven't really been learning more about history the way I should. And so I feel like maybe I've been so captivated by this business, by being an entrepreneur that I've lost some of that, like that free time to go sit down and, and read some, you know, Epictetus, uh, Epictetus and stuff like that. You're, I kind of got the chills just now, like a couple seconds ago, because I'm meeting like all these interesting people and there's this guy who's uh, my age who I will, he's he's like you, but in a different kind of lifetime, like, or a different kind of whatever. He's going to be on the show maybe a couple months. Um, his name is Cade. He is so cool. He travels the country in a Prius and work, and, and, and then he, on the weekends, he works 17 hours doing DoorDash. So he sleeps in his car, lives in his car, and just travels the country. Takes photographs, oh does takes videos and vlogs and bro I feel like I feel like I you know what I was gonna say you need you need to do what Bruce Wayne did in Batman Begins where he just like left the country and like tried to figure out who he was like that's what you need to do literally you know that's yeah. uh, sorry were you done well I could I could be done for a little bit what are you gonna say I was just gonna say I've thought about that so much and I love his idea because I was actually gonna go buy a Prius I was, ah, gonna, go, I was gonna buy a were. Prius and I was gonna be like, you know, what? I'm gonna just gonna drive around, and like, I, it's a hatchback. There's plenty of room. Um, but then I ended up, you know, I'm going back to college uh, because a lot of my friends are here, and I want to. I've never had that party lifestyle, yep. and it's like I've I've done the extreme, right? I've done like this, like the detox dopamine. Like through, I gave away all my consoles. I moved to Brazil and I literally just worked and like woke up early, went to bed late, and like super driven. I've done that extreme. So, and I was talking to my friend who went to Brazil with me, but he backpacked Europe before he started his business. He backpacked Europe after high school, went back home and then started the online business. But when he backpacked Europe, he was at the other extreme, like the partying, he was with hot girls 24 seven. He was like living the life in Europe was wonderful. And he's like, Gabe, you should, you should try it. You should, you haven't, you haven't experienced that. And that's how you figure out what you want is by, is by taste testing. Um, yeah. and you're right. I definitely want to travel. Like going to Brazil was nice, but it wasn't what you're talking about. When I went to Brazil, I was working. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, going yeah, out yeah, no, of like, course. Yeah. I, I would go out on the weekends, you know, go hike a mountain and go to the beach. But it was like, it wasn't the same type of experience where you like, you're not focused on getting money because then you might, you just like, kind of like being at home, you know, you need your Batman begins. You need <laughs> yeah. your Batman begins. That's so funny because, but like, I know that's what you're doing in Brazil. Like you're working and it makes you think like, so Cade, he's incredible. He has a YouTube channel. He does a little podcast. Um, he's the, I think his podcast is six or seven months old. I was just on it. It's a great time. Um, and he's awesome. He's awesome. He's so cool. And 
it reminds me what he's doing is I is what I feel like you need. I feel like one day you're gonna become him, and one day he's gonna become you, like <laughs> just for a little bit. Like you're gonna trade lives for a little bit. But I was also thinking how, and I think like a, a week or two, I'm having on who's actually my cousin. He he studied history in school, and that's what he's becoming. He's becoming a history teacher, professor. What like that's where his life is gonna be. Um, and he loves history. He loves. He's all about it. Um, remind me a lot of that. Uh, and we were just, you know, having a passion, having a love. And I feel like you, when when someone from like the Middle East or like when someone from Asia thinks about like an American kid, they think they think of you. Like they think like every American kid is doing what you're doing, which isn't true. But like you now have to go find the opposite, and I feel like that'll do so much for you. And I know you want it. Um, and you're fucking young, man. You've already lived such a crazy life, bro. Holy shit, man. I think you could benefit so much from from a little bit of Earth, you know. Yeah, you know something that this is kind of almost off topic. And it kind of, it's, it's just been like a question that keeps coming into my head. And I want to ask you this and see your perspective. So my friend, who's as smart as me, as driven, we literally look like we're twins. Like we have the same beard and hair. Like he was doing this. He was farther than me throughout, you know, each step of the way. He was always like, you know, a couple clients ahead. He left it. He always said college is a joke. Don't go college. Waste of money. You can be an entrepreneur and make start making money now. Or everyone else is in debt. And now he's gonna go to. He's doing study abroad. You know, college in Europe. And he quit his business. Um, when you start an entrepreneurship journey, like if you stop your your podcast or YouTube channel, because maybe it's all daisies and roses, then you do it and you realize that maybe this isn't what you, what you, what you want to do for the rest of your life. How do you stop something? Like, like I'm just saying hypothetically, like, what if I just decided, you know what, maybe being a real estate marketer isn't for me. Maybe like kind of mastering all these emotions of the realtors and having to convince them to pinch pennies to, to do my marketing service. And, you know, maybe only 50% actually get a sale out of it. Maybe that's not what I want to do. Maybe that's just too much stress and too much work. Maybe I just want to try something different. How do you come to terms with stopping something that you've put so much work in for the past six months and come out of it, understanding that you, it's, it's a growth opportunity to leave it, you know, got to always think like a, a glass half full scenario. So I'm just kind of like blame that. Like, wow. imagine if you had a, your online business, you have a YouTube channel and you're like, you know, maybe this isn't what I want to do. How do you, how do you part with it and still feel satisfied with yourself? Yeah. That's the satisfied part. That's hard. First yeah. of all, with the glass half empty and half full thing, I when I was a kid, I'd always say half empty just to, like out of spite because everyone would be like, "Mark, you're so negative." I'm like, "Fuck you! I don't I don't give a shit." Um, <laughs> but I think not to like be you know talk semantics or anything. But I think it, I think it has to do with you know what's in the glass. I'm mean, like, if it's blood, is it going away from somebody or is it going to somebody? And then I think one would be you know if it's going to somebody, half full. If I'm stealing it from you, half empty. Um, so I feel like to step away from something that you you maybe loved at one point or thought you would have loved, um, and still gaining something from it, I, you gotta, it's kind of like a theme we've been talking about continuously is that you need to have a good relationship with yourself and that's really hard. You know, it's the self-evaluation, it's the self-enlightenment, it's trying to find out what's important to you and, and realize that 
you are important to yourself. And I think me included, most people that are going to stop doing something are, you know, probably going to feel like a failure, probably going to feel like they wasted time, they gained nothing. Oh, I can't believe I wasted so much time on that YouTube channel. Now I'm stuck at the beginning again. Oh, I can't believe I I spent $200,000 at college and I hate the degree I got. And most people are going to think like that. And they're kind of kind of right, but it's it's the people that have figured figured it out, right? Figure themselves out and understand that life isn't like a binary thing. It's not like a one way street. It's it's the, a, a web of possibilities. I think once people realize that, then they'll be able to find the good in everything. And there will be other things that are more good than other things. But um, I think there is positives in most things, and uh, it's just a matter of finding it. It's there. The hard part is finding it, though, and, and that's where the work comes in to just being a better you, being a better person. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like that. If, if my YouTube, if I was like, I can't do this anymore, which, by the way, I did for four or five of the channels. So like I, 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 although they weren't very successful, I, I mean, like I've done that for other channels when I was just starting out. Right. Um, it. I know it was a learning experience and it was a good thing because I still had the same goal. Do YouTube. But. If I had a different goal that wasn't YouTube at all, I don't know how I'd react because it hasn't happened to me yet. But I can I could imagine at first it'll be feel good, then it'll feel horrible, and then eventually it'll feel good again. So I think a mixture of things. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of brings me to my next question that I've always thought of is like, Let's say like you're like a mouse or a rat, right? And you're on the treadmill, like you know you, the rat race, where you want to say like, and that's basically any enterprise, whether it's like it's going to the gym, whether it's it's smoking, or if it's going to college, you're creating a business or a YouTube channel, and you you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it, and you know how everyone else says like it's temporary failures that are like your setbacks, and you overcome them and you unlock a new level of performance, right? And so you keep doing that, keep doing that. How do you like? Let's say you keep coming into these these roadblocks, and like okay, but this is like. This is this is like the next hurdle I have to, to get over, and I'm going to unlock a new level of success right after. How do you know when enough is enough? Because one thing that I've come into, and this is what I I'm I, I, I don't get it how my friend left his business. Like he's as smart as I am. He was doing it. It was great, and he, he had the problems that you know that have come on to you know being a marketer. Um, but it's like when you like, I feel like we attach our identity. Like I attach my identity to my business. I've worked on it so much. How do I know, like, if I come into a certain problem, like maybe Facebook isn't working as a platform anymore, how do I know whether to leave something? Like, how does someone know when to leave a creative enterprise? Because I feel like all the books, like, you know, Think and Grow Rich and, and all the books, and everything, they, all, they all teach you, like, everything is just a temporary failure. You just keep going, you just keep going. But sometimes you have to stop and try something new. And if you think you have to keep doing this one thing, then you're never going to stop doing that. And you're just going to keep being on that little, you know, treadmill. So I'm just curious, like, I, I have an answer. I, I guess I wanted, you, I, well, my, my, what I was going to answer is what's your answer. I wanted to know what you were going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I told myself I was going to be, I was going to do marketing for a year. And if it didn't give me the, the way I feel and the lifestyle that I desire, will then basically support myself so I don't have to work a nine to five and be able to live from anywhere. Um, and I'd say I've pretty much done that. Like I lived in Brazil, I supported myself. 
But yeah, it's just, I don't even know what I'm asking at this point, but it's just like, how does someone know? I think I know what you're asking. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even, I don't even know. Sometimes I don't even know the answer. Like how does someone know when to quit something? You know, like, like going to school at a certain college, like that's a great example. It's like, let's say you're going to, you know, your university. How do you know that you needed to leave? Like, cause sometimes we have like this, it's called sunk cost fallacy. Tim Ferriss, he's an entrepreneur. He talks about it a lot. Um, it's basically like we, we, it's like putting all our money into this one thing, like pouring water in this one cup. And it's like, we can't pour it out because it's like the ship's sinking and we're just going to keep sinking with it. You know how before I said, um, like I kind of said it as a joke, but I was totally serious when you said, um, if you're trying to buy a house, what would you do first? And I said, I'd ask my dad. (laughs) That's fucking true. Like, I don't know. I don't know who else I'd go to other than my mother, but my mother's, uh, uh, in Florida, so I'm like, I don't know, I'd probably have to talk to my father. What do I do? And he's a handyman, you know, he knows what to fucking do. Um, I feel like I was talking to my uncle a couple days ago, and I like to ask these questions. One of the questions is, when did you realize your parents were their own people? And, you know, we would talk about it, we would talk about it. And then I'd ask him, you know, like, you know, what his childhood was like, you know, about his father, about his mother. It's like about these people that have never known I had existed or I, I ever would have existed. Like, what was your relationship with the people above you? And I remember him telling me that how much he needed his father and how much he needed his father-in-law to help him understand life. And and I, I promise there's a point. And mm-hmm. I... I, I Think about how people go through a few phases uh, with their fathers. Um, I think every son grows up to hate his father at least once. At least once. And, but eventually, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but eventually there are not many decisions you'd make without first talking to your father about it. And then there comes a time where you know more than your father knows. And that's arguably when you become a man and i i think about when it's time to quit when it's time to to all right you know what it's it's time to figure something else out and i don't think i could make a decision without talking to my father first honestly and my father my mother like anyway cuz I, I i need that support system is what we were talking about before you were saying that not a lot of people realize that there's people around you know you can talk to you have friends you have family you, you have so many blessings and i think i a circumstance like you're talking about right there is i'd use one of my blessings to help me figure it out but at the end of the day of course it it's it's up to you you have to figure out what is best for you and just like falling in love you don't know until you know i i don't think you'll ever really know when it's time to move on until you've already done it. I, I really don't think it's it's going to be easy easy enough for you to just make a decision. I feel like you're going to have to do it and figure out if it was a good decision or a bad decision when you're done doing it. I love it, man. Dude, that was very insightful. I, I resonate with that. It's like taking that leap of faith. And I, I experienced that on my sales calls, actually. When I'm talking yeah. to these realtors, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out. And it's like, you got to trust me. Yeah. You know? And so that's the thing. You have to trust yourself. 
Yeah, you have to trust yourself. You have to trust your yeah, resources. Take a, yeah, take a leap of faith into yourself and, and obviously ask advice from your parents. Um, yeah, if you have good sure. ones, if you have good ones. I know people don't. I know it's, yeah. a, it's a hard world out there. And but like mentors, whether it's like, you, you know, your local librarian or like your teacher you had in second grade, like everyone, this is my, this is my thing. I, I have a problem with this. Everyone thinks they can do it on their own. You cannot fucking do it on your own if if you were born from a womb you didn't do it on your own man you didn't i'm sorry like you there's no way that you can do these things on your own whether it's through friends family um you you got really into like some comedian who like unlocked like something in your head you're like oh that makes so much sense and it's funny my life is totally changed you're not doing it on your own one of the most successful men in america who's not even american uh, arnold schwarzenegger he says he, there's no such thing as the self-made man. It's impossible. You need something from other people. J.K. Rowling, the highest paid author in the world, are pro- really because she owns Harry Potter. So, like, if you buy something from Hot Topic, she's getting some of that money. Like, yeah. that's kind of why she's the highest paid. But people say that she's, like, uh, a genius and original. And I'm, and I'm like, listen, no one's fucking original. It, she might have never read Lord of the Rings, but I bet she got inspiration from someone that did read Lord of the Rings. Like, everyone gets something from somewhere. No one's original. To, to, to think you're original is the height of hubris. I mean, like, that is ridiculous. So you get help from everywhere. Family, friends, no, no such thing as a self-made man. So people got to realize, ask for help. Realize that you need help and you're not weak for needing it, no matter what circumstance you're in. Very true, very true. And I love the analogy with J.K. Rowling um, because J.R.R. Tolkien, all of his stories are based off of Norse mythology. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and all the Norse mythology stories are based off of like, know, nature. And mushroom trips, like fucking, Literally. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very true. Yeah, honestly, a lot, I feel like a lot is based off of humans accidentally eating mushrooms. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like most like religions, like uh, people in India, um, people uh, like the North, um, the Aztecs, like it's all just because yeah. they're, they're all, you know, they're tripping, tripping man. <laughs> they're tripping. Yo, if I had a, yo, I'm just like my, this is going to be like my 39th episode. If I had a dollar for every time I talked about religion on an episode, I'd have $39. Like every episode. I talk about religion. The first episode I had was about a, a girl who was Jewish and made a documentary about uh, something with that, the religion. Like, bro, yes, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I'd be surprised if, if like, the minority of religions didn't stem from something psychedelic. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When it comes to Christianity and Judaism being some of the most prominent religions, um, it's very – it's interesting because – John the Baptist and Jesus, they were heavily influenced by this sect of Jewish people called the Essenes. Like there was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. And the Essenes were basically people that went out into the desert and ate locusts and honey and tripped on um, shrooms and then marijuana balls um, of like the marijuana, what is it? Like the the sap from a marijuana I think I know what you're talking about. Don't know what it's called though. THC, yeah, I don't know what it's like called the, either. The, or the dab, right? That's yeah, yeah, something in. like that. Yeah, and so the thing is that makes me think like John the Baptist and Jesus when they went into the desert, were they really just stoned, stoned and, bro, and getting stoned, and then 
that's like the, the all the Christianity stems from people getting stoned. Um, That'd be I pretty think funny. about that. I'm not going to say that to my mom because she's hardcore Christian. I know she'll, she'll deny it. I'd be like, that's impossible. Well, look but where, where'd you, you, where'd you learn it. this stuff from? Or where'd you, where'd you come up with this, these ideas? Um, I, I think I read like, uh, well, I know about the Essenes because I learned about it in school. Um, and then you can also like look up studies yeah. that, that they, they found like inscriptions on the, on, on the stuff. And yeah, it's on the internet and stuff. Because if it was a book, I'd be like, yo, send that to me right now. I don't know. That sounds like an interesting topic I'd love to read about. Um, yeah. I'm actually, I've got like 200 and maybe like 80 pages left of the entire Bible. I, wow. I've been reading it um, mostly so I could have arguments with people. But um, <laughs> it is very interesting. The Old Testament is really hard to get through, but very fascinating. Um, but I still believe or I, i'd like to believe there is some kind of divinity whether or not we have to go through psychedelics to find that divinity i don't know it would make a lot of sense but um i definitely do think psychedelics you know have a part in a lot of religions especially uh more pagan religions like things with the aztecs and like the the, the origins of you know religions even like in africa and all that stuff i think a lot of it had to do with psychedelics. Um, now, I've never partaken as much as I would love to, um, but there's something to it, definitely something to it. Yeah, so on that topic, I will say I am a strong supporter when it comes to psychedelics. Um, what only because only when you use it under certain circumstances, like you have a something, someone with you, you're in a place that you're comfortable with. You're not going to be doing any activities that involves the public, you know, that's going to, you know, make other people uncomfortable. Because um, there are, there are strong cataclysms of, of spiritual and personal growth and understanding yourself um, and really figuring out what you, who you really are and, and your place in the universe. Um, it's funny though, because when you say, you say pagan, uh, there's actually a Christian church that's very popular, especially in South America, called the Santo Domingo Church or, or Santo Santa Dame Church. And their Eucharist is actually psychedelics. What? <laughs> it's crazy. What? Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding? How long has that been around for? What the fuck? It's, I mean, it's been around for as long as, you know, Jesus Christianity Christ. has came to the New World. And they have branches, in, in, you know, in Amsterdam and, and Europe. And they might even have one in New York, um, and they get like a, a religious exemption for for being, you know, a church. That's um, but they, so you know, cool. They, I think they believe everything that Catholicism believes, but then like their Eucharist is that, and they believe that taking it is what gets you to understand God. Um, just a side note, because there's one, there was one oh, of those that never cool. went, but it's really cool. That is very cool. That is that is I had no idea. But I, uh, my friends are gonna make fun of me. I always talk about, like, DMT. Always. Like, that shit fascinates me to my core. Because it's, it's, it's scary, too. It's like, that thing, that exists? That's a thing that, that's a part of this world? Oh, my gosh. Um, and it's a part of your body, like, on its own? Like, that drives me wild. Um, mm-hmm. And my, my girlfriend, um, her and I have slowly been over the last three years, been getting more involved, well, not involved, but uh, we've been developing more of a, an understanding about psychedelics and religion, like in the, how they they kind of go hand in hand in many places. Um, and we're slowly learning more and more and more. And 
she's very interested in, in, in all this stuff. Um, although she's not, like, a practicing or a studying, I kind of call her a theologian because, like, she's just interested mm-hmm. in a lot of religions um, and yeah. how things work. And she'll read books about, like, DMT and mushrooms. And she's, she's, she's like, she calls herself Wiccan. Um, that's what she subscribes to. At least that's, if someone were to ask, you know, if you believe in anything, what would it be? That's what she says she is. Um, Interesting. I'll have to write that down. Never heard of it. Yeah, Wiccan is, it's, it's more pagan. It's, um, and I'm going to fuck this up and I'm so sorry, Amanda, (laughs) but it's like, she believes in like energy and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd say it's maybe 60% lifestyle and then the rest of it is religion. Um, Mm. but She's, she always talks to me about this stuff, and, and I'm interested in it on my own as well, and it's very scary because you, not because it's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to die. It's scary because you grow up not realizing other things exist. You know, when I was five years old, that's when I became consciously alive. Like, that's when I started asking questions like, what's beyond my street? Oh, there's other states. Oh, there, 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 look, there's a country. There's another uh, world over there. there what? What's the moon? Is Mars? Like, I started asking real questions. Um, and I feel like the older you get, the more you learn. And there's so much we don't know even now, like, no matter how old you are. And learning things about, like, psychedelics and about, you know, archaeology and sh- shit that we're finding out. Oh, my gosh. What a world. What a world, huh? Yeah. You you should. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. You, you know, I've, I've, so, go ahead, go ahead, oh, go, ahead, go, ahead, go, ahead go ahead, No, you go, go, go. <laughs> So I was going to say, I've taken, uh, I've taken LSD about one, two, three, four times. And I've taken magic mushrooms twice when I was in Brazil, um, taking DMT once. Mm. So I've had a lot of very crazy experiences, which I'd love to share if you're interested. I fuck. Yeah. I'd love to know what you're, yeah, <laughs> hell yes. Gee, my yes. Yeah, do you, have you heard, have you read a lot of stories about what people experience? So I, okay, so I, I, I'm very excited about you telling me this shit, shit so it's going to sound weird when I say, I actually try to not read things about it, because in the event that I am, you know, lucky enough to experience it myself, I don't want to be tainted by other people's information, but I am willing to listen to yours, I'm very interested, because um, I'm scared that I might screw myself over by putting it on a pedestal and expecting something mm. and getting something different yeah and i <laughs> i'm happy you brought that up I'll, I'll tie into that into my my most recent experience so how did i you know that's this is this is a question that i i keep asking some of my friends are interested in as well what my older brother is as well i don't remember how i got into it like i really don't remember like it was almost as if like one day i was just like yeah i'm interested in psychedelics and i want to take it it's like, I don't, like, where was the gradual decision-making that this these drugs were something that I was interested in and thought was safe? Because there is a lot of misinformation, a lot of people, scare tactics, you know, the hippies and everything when they banned them. Yeah. Um, But it's like, I don't remember when I actually grew interested. It just, like, kind of happened. Like, it, it was weird. Anyway, that's just something that I always say that to my friends. I'm like, when did we actually got like when did this peak our interest like when i was like anyway it was like so it was junior year of, of, of high school so that was like you know three or four years ago um junior year of high school i had my first trip it was at the beach um with two of my friends uh just nothing crazy kind of just it was so long ago that it's probably not the best one to describe but it was like interesting head spaces 
feeling oneness with the beach, obviously fractal and, and weird perception of vision. Um, like everything was like moving, the clouds were, were you know, twisting and turning. Um, but I would say the most impactful trip, and I have all, I have journals where I've written, was when I was in Brazil. I took five grams of mushrooms, which is a lot. Terrence McKenna, who's a philosopher on this, he calls it the the heroic dose. Jeez. Uh, the, the hero's dose is what he calls Here, it. Okay. Forgive me. Yeah, and man, Jesus Christ. It was like an atomic bomb went off in my head. It was so weird. It was like all the, you know, the normal visual, like the fractal patterns, like all the different patterns in the wall, the world was morphing, morphing. And it was so strong that I was laying in my bed in Brazil. My friend, you know, the other entrepreneur was, you know, in the other room, just listening to YouTube. My whole body dissolved. Like I was in my bed and my body like melted, like an ice cube melting, became one with the universe in the bed. It was so weird. And then I literally like went and like shot through space and time. Um, and I was like, sh like, yeah, I was shooting through space and time. I was going through a tunnel that was being built. And as I was going through it, like in real time, they kept building it around me, like a tunnel through space as galaxies and nebulas went around me. <laughs> I'm like freaking out right now. Yeah. And the, the beings that created that tunnel, they look like, you know, Dormammu from Doctor Strange. Yes. Have you seen Doctor Strange? Yeah. No, no, yeah. Very end. Right, fucking course. Yes. Yeah, that gigantic being. It looked like him, like just standing there. They weren't talking to me. Um, that was the most intense trip I've had. And that was um, on mushrooms, you said, right? Yeah. That was on mushrooms. When I when I trip on when I did trip on DMT, the issue was when you um, when you like when you burn it or vaporize it, a lot of it gets lost into the air. So I don't think I really inhaled, you know, the majority of of, of the substance that was there. So I really kind of just had like a lot of weird visuals, but nothing like insane. Like I didn't, I didn't, the breakthrough that people talk about where they like enter other dimensions, live whole lives. Um, I did not experience that. Would you uh, do peyote? So I tried taking, you know, mescaline in Brazil uh -huh. and I made like a smoothie out of it. Jeez. It tasted like battery acid that I, I didn't, I just threw it away. And actually, no, my friend took it. He braved it. I, I have very sensitive taste buds, I guess. Like, I don't like Me too. stuff that tastes like garbage. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, who does? Yeah. <laughs> so I said no, and then he took it, and then he just ended up throwing up, and it never did anything. So I don't really know what happened. But no, I have not taken it. But I will say the losing the sense of self, the becoming one with the universe, the new insights, the like, just all the things that you, that you read and hear about, it, you all you get you get all that like synesthesia like you know tasting sounds colors. right or colors yeah, yeah yeah smelling sounds all that it all happens but you never know what's gonna happen that's the thing is and I actually funny enough I, I actually tripped over the weekend because I was wanted some new insights on my business and I didn't get it I didn't get like I tripped because I was like is really some more thing for me it's something I want to continue because I'm going back to college should I try a different business and, and experiment um and that's the thing is when you attach like i want this to get out of it I, I didn't all i did was end up just being obsessed about my business and then just feeling like really upset and losing a lot of confidence um which is really interesting and so you have to go into it very free thinking i feel like 
Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard to remember exactly our experience. But if you have any questions, <laughs> you oh can my shoot. gosh, I have a million questions. I'm I'm like they're gonna develop over a few hours. I don't know if I can shoot them all off right now. But I do kind of like a, a, a side note. Um, do you have any like book recommendations about anything? Mm, yeah, well, I want to know because I feel like you're someone that I'd really want to know book re- recommendations from. Okay, do you have any categories? No, that... I have none. I mean, like my if you ever like go on my channel and look, look at one of my uh, episodes, like my whole bottom shelf is full of books, and that's not the only books I have like here. But like I'm, I read one book a m- like it's it's not so much where it's like oh my gosh we're how to do that but i read one book a month and one book every two months so um in the span of two months i read two books but the two month book is usually like a thousand plus pages because it takes me a little bit longer and then the one book a month is like 300 to 500 pages so i i try to read as much as i can yeah there's something i've always when i was a little kid like in high school i read so much like i would literally like i would sit down and read for like two to four hours like because i didn't really have a lot of video games when i was younger my parents didn't really want me to have that yeah um which is good and so i that's how i cultivated my, my love of reading you know reading history and philosophy and a lot of fiction books uh, but now it's, i find it a lot harder being older to find time so maybe you can actually how do you find time amidst the five to six hours of editing to, to it, sit down and, and read i don't that's the thing, right? Uh, reading isn't something I do for luxury. It's I, I, I use it for discipline. It has to be a part of my day. Um, yeah. It's like when some if, if I say I have to I have to do work, that could that might mean I'm reading. Um, mm. I have a so for the last over the year I've I, I wanted to try to get like eighteen books in, in the year, um, which again isn't super impressive, but it you know it's a lot for someone that works so much. Um, I. I'm doing 18 books. That means I have a page count and I have to finish by the month, right? But before I had a page count, I said I have to read one to two hours a day. So I get my timer on my phone. And if I have to stop, I press pause, go do what I need to do. And then whenever I get ready again, I'll press start and I'll keep reading. Once it hits an hour, two hours, I don't feel guilty about not reading anymore. I close the book and do it again the next day. It's, it is not... And I feel like this could be really damaging, and eventually it it'll be like too much, and I'm and I'm gonna ruin it for myself. But as of right now, reading is not a luxury. It's it's I'm I kind of made it a job, and I kind of like that because um, I could function with it. Not everyone can, but um, it, it's gotten me a lot further than a lot of things I wanted to get in. So that's how I find time is by creating it. Yeah, and that's something that I feel like we've been talking about a lot. That like ever since the beginning of our conversation, Mark, like uh. Like, how does someone find time to, to figure out what really is going to make them happy is you have to create that time. And I've done that with the gym. Like the gym is a, like a gym is a job. Like that's why I talk about health, life, relationship. I equate those things either equal or like higher. So like, I'm not going to, I can't sacrifice the gym so that I can do more business meetings. Like the gym is part of my identity. And I feel like that's something I've struggled with since going to Brazil and not having books is losing that sense of like, I'm going to read today because that's who I am. It's not just because I'm going to read today. Um, but I, I like your approach. I'm definitely going to have to implement that. But let me answer your question. So yes, go books. All right. So if you're looking for business books for an entrepreneur, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss is a must. 
Okay. That book would teach you everything you need to know to create the lifestyle of your dreams. Like I'm not, this isn't even hyping it. Like I am not kidding. Like it literally teaches you how to create an online clothing store and how to advertise just as an example in the book. Like it teaches you how to dreamline your life and actually create goals and how to attain them, how to get an assistant to like do all your work for you. Right. Like you could find someone for $3 an hour to probably edit all your, edit all your videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, that book is a plus when it comes to entrepreneurship and creating your lifestyle. Okay. I'm going yeah. to, I'll, I'll put it on my wish list. Yeah. It goes over so much. Like it literally, it literally goes over how to read faster, like how to scientifically read faster, like how to put words together, read a whole sentence like oh. that. And you actually retain all the same information. There's actually a book. I forget what it's called, but there is a book that I want to get that, t- that teaches you how to read faster. Uh, also the episode I was talking about before with Cody. Um, he recommended the book, uh, The First 20 Hours, um, mm-hmm. which is about f- basically being able to become an expert in basically anything in the first 20 hours you pick it up, um, which is very interesting. I didn't get to read it yet, but I want to. And he also recommended uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which I did read. Um, I, I have not read that. Interesting. So what, what's it? What's the the other one called that that Cody recommended? Well, I could just find it on the podcast. Well, I, I can tell you. I mean, you don't do too much work. It's um the first twenty hours, and the subtle art of not giving a fuck. He he might have recommended others, but I can't remember if he did. Um, but he said those kind of changed his life. Um, and also something you said before about meditation. Meditation changed his life too. Like he said, like he he thought it was all garbage, and when he started doing it, he's like, whoa, like it changed who I am. Um. But um, before we get to that, uh, for our work week, I'm going to put on my wish list. I'm going to read it. I got all these people recommending me books because I, I see so many people now. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So for business and entrepreneurship, 100% for our work week. When it comes to mindset and personal growth, as a man thinketh. Okay. Amen. As a man thinketh. When it comes to... So as let me ask you for all the people that are listening and maybe watching this, as a man thinketh, if you're familiar with Think and Grow Rich and all the self-help books, consider this the precursor. Like this was written back, you know, before World War II, right? So this is like oh. he's, he was a yeah, he was like a a newspaper writer um in, in England. So he's 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 British. And this book talks about your thoughts and like how to how your thoughts encompass your being. You know, my favorite quote for him that I read myself, I read it to myself every day is this. A noble and godlike character is not a thing of favor or chance, but is a natural result of a continued effort in right thinking, the effect of a long cherished association with noble and godlike thoughts. Basically, you can become godlike by cultivating the thoughts. Thoughts decide your actions, actions decide your outcome. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And, and it's, it's even cooler that it's, like, so old. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, it's a good book. That's for mindset. Um, Obviously, I have to recommend okay, go ahead. some stoic philosophy. Okay, let's Marcus do it. Or, yeah. Yeah, whether it's Marcus Rilly's Meditations, I haven't really read that much of uh, Epictetus or Seneca. I will say I will recommend this one to everyone. If Anyone that's watching and you as Walmart, when you look at Stoicism, you have Seneca, Epictetus, or Epictetus, um, Marcus Aurelius, and Musonius Rufus. I will say that out of all of those, the one that's most practical, the one you can implement the most, is going to be Musonius Rufus. 
Why? He literally, he, his book is for the common Roman and he describes as a Roman and living your life in a country very similar to America, right? Because, you know, we're founded based off of Roman principles and Roman philosophy. Um, how do you apply stoicism to a society like that? Like how to like in your life, like what do you do? And he gives like all the examples that like, oh, this is, we experience this in modern day, like, you know, going to the store and, or, you know, having emotional battles with your family, like all these, you know, myriad of examples, this kaleidoscope of the human experience, he provides a step-by-step guide. All right. Fuck. Yeah. This is gold. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You, uh, the, um, we said, uh, as man thinketh and remind you, I read, a, I always recommend this book. Um, it's called man's search for meaning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know that one? Yes. So there's, is that by Rollo May or is that by? Go ahead. What? It, uh, I can't think of the name. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right. What is it? Yes. Yes. Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. Yeah. Victor Frankl. Frankl or Frank? Frankl. Frankel. Yeah, yeah, Victor Frankel. Yeah, Victor yeah. Frankel. That is um it's really good. I recommend I say to people, if you buy it, just reading the second part of the book, like the second half of the book is worth it. Um I think that's a really good one. But uh mm-hmm. any 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 others? I mean like I I'm ready for more if you got them, otherwise we'll move on. Yeah. Um when it comes to fiction. Okay. I feel like Dune. Oh, I read Dune. I read Dune. Okay, listen, buddy. All right, look. I read Dune, and I'm stubborn, so if I read the first word of a book, I have to read all the way through to the last, no matter how much I do or don't like it. And I didn't like Dune, and I was very upset. I thought I was going to like it. So many people, like, rave about Dune, and everyone's so angry because they can never make a good movie for it. Um... And I'm making the, the new well, yeah. movie, man. Well, I That's have so on my YouTube channel, I have two series. I have this series right here where I talk to guests, and I have a second series where we re- review movies, and that's on the list. So we will be doing that. But I read the book, and I I just I think the reason why I didn't like it, um, I might have to read it a second time. The reason why I didn't like it is because if the author throws you in and I, and kind of expects you to already know how the planet works. Um, in the terms of vocabulary and stuff and like terms and culture and religion, I, I couldn't really get absorbed into it. Cause I feel like it's almost as if I missed the first book, but that is the first book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's my problem. Also, when, when the first movie came out for that, like I was in the eighties or seventies, there were so many, <laughs> it was old. They, yeah, there were so many weird words and terms in the movie that they would actually send out in the newspaper a vocab sheet. So when you went to go see the movie, <laughs> you knew what they were talking about. That's crazy. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> so I think I think that's why I had a problem with it. I just couldn't get absorbed into it. But I, I don't want to go too hard because I know it's regarded as one of the biggest like science fiction masterpieces. I think my biggest problem is I'm not a fan of science fiction in literature, at least. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my thing. But why did you like it so much? Uh, just the principle of fear is the mind killer. I just oh, really, okay. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you read like between the lines, asshole. Great. Now I look like an idiot. <laughs> totally <laughs> kidding. That's great. Well, if you can find, you found something in it. Beautiful. I read this book. It's called the forever war. It's a science fiction book. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. really like it that much until about page 240. I think 
Is it even 200? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, actually not 240. That's like the last 10 pages of the book. Maybe 140. I don't know. But it's very... How big is your bookshelf? Um, Looks like you got a lot of books over there. It's uh, maybe three and a half feet. Um, but it's just for the it's just for my studio setup. I've got other books around here, so I've got like hundreds of comic books too. Like I'm a I'm a maniac. But um, <laughs> but I, I the the book was interesting because it was about um, humans were fighting and supplying a war that was taking place uh, hundreds of light years away, and the war was real. But the whole question, I guess, was how do we know it's real? I mean, like, we're putting all this money into this war. Is it for nothing? Like, are these, like, people just, like, having relaxing lives while these citizens are paying for it? Um, but, no, the, yeah. war, the war was real. And if you were, like, injured at, in war, um, they would send you to another planet, which was, like, a paradise. It was beautiful. It was a, it was a hospital, you know? And they were having such a great time. Um, but Isn't there a movie coming out with Chris Pratt? So that's that's Tomorrow War. I don't know what that's uh, about. This is the Forever War. Um, hmm. It's very, very interesting concept. Um, it's kind of like on par with um, what's the movie or book about with like the bugs and Sergeant Iron Sights or something. Uh, it was a really weird movie. Um, you, you definitely know this as soon as I'm going to say it, man. Oh my gosh! Everyone in there was like really attractive, yet not at the same time. It was like super weird. Um, oh my gosh! It's about like politics, but it's about war, and they fight big bugs. Bro, you know this. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. Um, it's not Battlestar Galactica, obviously, but I, that's what keeps coming. <laughs> up. But well, well why you look that up? Um, that Forever War. It reminds me of 1984. Have you read that? Book? Uh, yes, absolutely. Awesome. Of so course. in that, you know, when they have like the, the countries are like the faraway countries are fighting each other. It kind of reminds me of that. Like, you know, how do you know uh, that, that those countries even exist and that they're actually fighting? So, you know, I would say a good science fiction book that I do have to recommend to everyone because I think okay, it's very prevalent it. in today's society is A Brave New World. Oh, I read that too. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. A brave, if, if the world ends up going to shit. It's going to replicate Brave New World more than it's going to replicate 1984, I, I feel like. Um, I agree, yeah. Because, and, and this is going to, it's going to be for a little different reason. But I feel like, I mean, like, my whole life has kind of been online for the past, like, year. And, and I'm actually really excited. In October, I'm going to be uh, interviewing someone who uh, is polyamorous and they have a podcast about being poly. And I'm like, that lifestyle kind of scares me. It's confusing. I don't know about it, but I'd like to talk to you about it. And I feel like so much of our culture is going more into like non-monogamous that we're be like, I feel like that's, it's brave new world. Like that's where we're headed. Like, and it kind of scares me. I don't like that. I'm not against it, but I feel like there's so much of it that, that's all that there's going to be. I feel like that's one of the biggest parts of Brave New World that I think is going to come true is that mm. there's going to be no individual. There's not, there's not, not that there won't be love, but there's going to be loving in groups rather than in individuals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I could I'm see that sure. happening. I don't know if it will happen. Probably not, but I could see that happening. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Am I making sense? Yeah, you are. You are. I'm just, just thinking about it. 
I, but I did enjoy that book though, The Brave New World. Um, I just feel like, I don't know. I just, well, yeah, what, I, what's I, your I, take? What's your so, take? Sometimes I, I look at, you know, when he was like screaming at the people, like, what are you doing? You're addicted to this drug and this is what the society wants you to do. And then this like, it, it almost reminds me of like, of today, like we're addicted, like like caffeine, like it's such a drug that like oh everyone takes and we're so addicted and we don't even realize like there's pornography and that's, you know, the symbolism of like all the sex that's in the brave yes, world. Yes. And, like, like all of that is like, the brave world is like a wake up call. Yes. And I feel like we need it now. Or like how they're all basically taking depression medication the entire fucking yeah. time. Like that's like it's the, literally they're not yeah. me, but like it's literally Yeah, society, that's what's happening. You know? Like we're all so fucked up. It rather than fix it, we're just treating it. And then we lose we lose touch with what it what it means to be human. Yet we live in a utopia, but it but it's not. It's bro, oh my gosh. It's exactly what's gonna happen. Oh, this guy fucking incredible. Uh also, you know Ottawa's Huxley. Go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. He's actually very into psychedelics. Well, he wrote a book called The Doors of Perception. Bro, shut the fuck up right now because my friend made a short <laughs> film uh, or he wrote uh, a short because he, he's a filmmaker, but he wrote a screenplay, a feature-length screenplay called The Doors of Perception based off of Alex Huxley. And it's very interesting. He talks about psychedelics. He talks about um, the what happened in the 70s, the the the, the project. The war. Yeah, or, but the the um, MK Ultra, MK Ultra. He talked about MK Ultra. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about all that stuff, but he he bases a lot of his he gets a lot of inspiration from Aldous Huxley for that in particular. So I know I know that very well. Never read it though. I've never read it either, to be honest. Um, a friend of mine read it, and I just I've read like the summary, and I just know a lot about it. Very interesting. By the by the way, the uh, the book and movie I was talking about before is called Starship Troopers. Um. If you, I've never heard of that. Okay, look, if you watch the movie, you're going to be like, Mark, what the fuck is this? But if you read the book, and, and you're going to get a taste of it in the movie, but if you read the book, and I've never read the book, so I don't know if it's any good, but I've heard really good things about it. It, it, it. Apparently, it's very dense, and it's one of those books where you've got to like think deeper into it, like more than a surface-level thinking, because it's basically about what it means to be a citizen and... Because the whole thing is the only way you're allowed to be a voter or be a citizen or ha- to have, like, complete rights is to do service in the military. And then you have earned this country's support, basically. You don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. You can still live a rich and beautiful life. But if you want to be able to, like, be a citizen, you need to serve your country. Um, mm-hmm. So I had a, it was, it's very, yeah, it's very philosophical. Um but apparently it's hard to get through. Like, it's pretty dense. Um, but that's what The Forever War, War I think it was written in the same, same uh, like, decade. But that's kind of what it reminds me of. All right. Um, Interesting. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. It sounds like something right up my alley. This is incredible. Listen, you know, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no worries, man. No, you go. You, t- you say what you're going to say. Yeah, I was going to say another book I have to recommend when it comes to fiction. I'm not going to recommend you know, the Lord of the Rings or, you know, the C.S. Lewis, the, the Narnia trilogies, because those are so popular. Already read them anyway, yeah. Exactly, that's, I knew you read them, that's fine. Yeah, of course, of course, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to actually give the inspiration for those two. Oh. What was the fiction for the genre of fiction was even a thing? Who did J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, the Inklings, the little club of of, of uh, Cambridge or, or Oxford, Oxford. What, who did they look to as, as inspiration? 
Well, the name is E. R. Edison. E. R. Edison. Okay. He is an author of the book called The Worm Ouroboros. Well, how do you fucking spell that? So the worm, as you know how to spell yeah. worm, and then Ouroboros is O U R O B O R O S. And the worm Ouroboros is actually it's from North North mythology. Norse mythology. And um, I think I said North. It's a uh, Norse. Yeah, Sorry. Norse mythology. It's the snake that bites its own tail. I'm sure you've seen that yep, symbol, yep. right? And it holds in the oceans of the world. Um, but interesting is it has like, it's it's hard to describe besides it just being like a world like all the other fiction worlds, but it's written in what's called Jacobean prose, which is a type of prose that has a lot of these and does, and, and it's written in a very elegant style. But it was just so captivating. It's hard to describe. Like it's, you know, different factions and wars, and there's a king, and 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 the way it's it's presented reminds me of. Um, have you read any any of Edgar Allan Poe? Um, not unless it was uh, something for school. I have not. Yeah, I know. We I, I think in, you have to read like The Raven or something. Read, for had, I had to read like two, three, four things, um, but nothing on my own. Yeah. Um, well, it, it just. It's hard. You just have to read it. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyone okay. listening, you just have to this, read. This actually, Ouroboros. this sounds very interesting. I'm, I'm. This he, sounds. Yeah. If you want to know, like, if anyone here at U.S. wants to know the backstory, just go to Wikipedia. It's hard for me to explain it. Yeah, just because, like, I mean, like, for you to say it's it, it inspired those people. That's interesting enough. Okay. Um, yeah. It was written pre. It was written like either in the early 1900s or late 1800s. Okay. It's pretty old. So, yeah. this is listen, bro. This this was this is fantastic. I would literally sit here and talk about this shit all day because I literally have nothing else to do today until I log off of this and then I have to edit shit. Like I have to edit this, <laughs> but um, like most good things, they all have to come to an end. This is fantastic. I Gabe, holy fuck, man! I love you're very insightful. You had a lot of great information. We, you. Me, Cade, and Cody, we're all going to Brazil, and we're going to do DMT together. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to say before we log off? I just want to appreciate you know you having me, Mark. I really enjoy sharing my story, what I've experienced. I know I'm young, but I feel like I've done a lot, and I think that's certainly yes. an inspiration for people. But I think what's really cool about this is all of you listening and watching, you get to see that young people that have motivation that have drive i have i'm facing all the same problems as you and if i can get through it so can you oh my gosh guys thank you so much look don't log off i'm gonna debrief you after i close out but guys thank you so much for watching this was a fantastic episode i had so much fun if you want to find any of gabe's stuff go ahead and look in the description you're gonna find it all down there and that's about it thank you for watching and we'll see you next time peace